It's Toronto's podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. Hi, this is Lesson Dumlao with Canada's Podcast, the nation's number one entrepreneurial network. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Michael McNaught. He's the founder of RV Easy, Canada's largest and most affordable RV rental marketplace that connects vacationers with RV owners across the country. So, welcome, Michael. Can I call you Michael or Mike? Oh, they both work. I answer to both, but thanks for having me. Yeah, welcome. Uh, just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, so uh, again, my name is Michael McNaught, uh, founder of RVZ.com. And what we are, to make it really easy to understand, essentially think Airbnb for RVs. So what we do is we enable RV owners, so whether you own a motorhome or a travel trailer, to rent that RV out to other people that are looking to go on vacation. And what we provide is we provide all the insurance, the background checks, just the, the real structure and security for, to enable RV owners to essentially make some money off an asset that's quite expensive and a lot of times sits in the driveway for you know 11 months out of the year. How did you get into this area of expertise, Michael? Yeah, so like uh, you know, I look back at my, my my youth and kind of upbringing. I've always been passionate of the outdoors. Uh, huge fisherman. I had spent my youth as a, a canoe guide in northern Ontario. Uh, you know, in my teenage years, you know, school would end and I'd be living in the bush doing canoe trips for for ten weeks a summer. So I've always been passionate about the outdoors, and like it's been my whole life. Um, so I started getting in RV, having a young family. It's just a nice way of going camping and having a, a few more luxuries. And uh, ended up buying an RV. I want to say it was about six years ago now. Time really flies by. And uh, the idea behind it was I, I got a really good deal on it and thought, you know what, maybe I can use it this summer. And I wonder if there's a market and I can rent it out. I've always been very entrepreneurial. I got a couple of rental properties and thought, you know, why can't I rent out this motorhome? So I decided to rent it out and I made $15,000 that first summer. And then like the light bulb just immediately went off and said, there seems to be a really big opportunity here. So I kind of did a bit of market research and I looked and really the only other option to rent a motorhome would be go to a, a fleet dealership that has, you know, a thousand RVs that they rent out and their price point was literally twice what I was charging. So I was very happy and happy with the money that I was making and thought, well, why is there such a price difference? And the reason really was the tools were not available for RV owners to rent it out privately, right? They, there, there was no insurance policy in place. There's no safety and security. Even the financial tra- transactions, being a former police officer, watching people send me thousands of dollars over the internet with no security, uh, I just, you know, they, that ultimate entrepreneurship question, like there had to be a better way. And uh, we thought, well, why don't we build something to enable owners to do exactly what I'm doing? Yeah. So I know you have a bit of a backstory and, um, and you were a police officer with the Ottawa Police uh, Service. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that kind of transition? Absolutely. So I, uh, I started my policing career, spent two years in Edmonton with the Edmonton Police Service. Uh, managed to make my way back home to Ottawa and joined the Ottawa Police Service. Uh, you know, did a, did a ton of police work, loved my career, uh, did a lot of frontline police work in, in the downtown core, worked out in the, the East Neighborhood Unit and kind of finished a couple of years in the Internet Child Exploitation Unit. 
Um, unfortunately, back in 2016, um, I ended up working a shift on the road and ended up getting called, uh, had a call for service, went to make an arrest, and it ended up being just one of those situations in policing sometimes you run into. I uh, ended up getting in a pretty big fight with uh, the guy I was arresting and got injured. So I ended up uh, rupturing my bicep, so the tendon ripped right off the bone, and uh, required, it was about three to five months of rehab, surgery, and recovery. And, uh, you know, being very entrepreneurial and not being someone who likes to sit still, I uh, thought, well, I'm off work for five months, I'm getting paid, I think I have this great idea in my head, this would be a great time to get something out in the market, test the market, and see are people interested and willing to, to use this product. Yeah, so you truly made lemonade out of lemons. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's just it, yeah. One of, one of the really interesting things, and this is what I love, like, you know, in, in, in hindsight and retrospective is I remember the day we, so we ended up pitching on Dragon's Den. And uh, the day that we filmed the Dragon's Den was literally one year to the date that I got injured. So it was kind of one of those things where you look back over 365 days, a year is pretty short. And we managed to went from being injured to standing in front of Canada's top investors uh, filming a, a TV show. So it's, it's pretty amazing what you can accomplish in a year if you really understand what you want to do and are passionate uh, enough about your product. Yeah, and you really had to have a, have a good plan and good people behind you and be really focused. So it's amazing that you accomplished that in a year. It was pretty pretty quick. And it was really, it, you know, it's, a, it, it's just one of those moments you look back and you're like, wow, it's pretty impressive what you can accomplish in a year. And I think you know, most entrepreneurs are out there, like your head, head's down and you're just working hard and, you, and time flies by and sometimes it's hard to celebrate the successes that you have. Uh, so it's one of those moments where you can look back and say, wow, did we ever accomplish a great deal in a one year period? Mm -hmm. So was it, when you were starting out, was it just you or did you have a partner? So I, I did have a partner and, and I think, again, like for all entrepreneurs, I think it's something really important uh, is to really find uh, a co-founder, find someone to kind of join the crazy journey of entrepreneurship with you. Pretty important to have that person that bounce ideas off, uh, to be able to have conflict and resolve it, and just have someone to support you through those times. So I did have a partner, uh, Will Thompson's my partner. I've uh, been there since the beginning, and uh, it's been a pretty, pretty great journey the last, I guess, almost four years now. Um, so I have a question for you. Do you think entrepreneurs are wired differently? Do you think something else makes us tick? 100%. I, I always laugh. Like, uh, I, I've always been very entrepreneurial, even in my policing career. Um, any opportunity that I saw that I could buy something and flip it for more than I bought it for or start a business, I was always doing those things. And I'd say uh, most police officers are not super entrepreneurial. So I always felt like, I don't, I don't understand why these people don't think the same way I do. <laughs> And now being an entrepreneur and being surrounded by people similar to me, like it's like, oh, I'm not that abnormal. There's an entire community of people that think the same way I do. So I think we're definitely wired differently. Different, different passions and different things that drive us. Uh, I was never one to get home from a shift at work and sit in front of the TV and kind of had jealous for a couple hours. I was always trying to look for an opportunity to uh, really to make money. I always liked that that theory of while I'm sleeping, I'd want to be making money. So what can I what can I do in my time off to enable that to happen? 
that's that's one of my focuses right now too. <laughs> it's that whole passive income, right? Is exactly working for me, and uh, you know, if I was to lose my job, lose all my income today, could I continue the lifestyle that I enjoy? Mm -hmm. Switching gears a little, but you are based out of Ottawa, correct? That's correct. Yeah. But RVEZ is kind of spread all it's all over the country at this point. Yeah, so we're all across Canada, um, right? It's all web-based and map-based, uh, but it allows RV owners anywhere across the country can rent it out. And clearly, like, every, one, one nice thing is I, I just happen to have lived in almost every province in Canada. Uh, so really get understanding kind of different dynamics in different, different places. And it, it, it's really beneficial because then you can really understand the nuances of living in Calgary versus Edmonton. What is their season like and uh you know what do people want to go see in alberta versus maybe the gta so i think mm -hmm. it, it itself really well um and being in being in ottawa like we have great access uh fully bilingual which is really nice so we can really serve our our, our french canadians well um but it makes it easy in this digital economy to kind of reach out and touch people all over the world absolutely so are there any benefits other than the bilingual um, aspects of doing business in Ottawa? Is there anything that you would recommend to other entrepreneurs starting a business in Ottawa? Um, I, I'd say one nice thing about living in Ottawa is just uh, we have pretty close relationships with a lot of like the, the, the government programs as far as funding is concerned and just support mechanisms. Being in Ottawa, uh, you know, a, a lot of federal government employees, we tend to have a lot of uh, great access to some of those people. Uh, I'd say the, the challenging part is that our biggest competition for employers is the federal government, right? So they tend to scoop up a lot of, a lot of employees looking for something stable and uh, definitely working in a startup environment is very challenging. Like you learn very quickly, um, but you, you never have that stability of the federal government, you know, work 30 years to get a pension for life. So it's definitely a different, different mentality, but that, I guess that would be the one challenge of Totally. Um, so you guys have an office base in, in Ottawa then? Yes, that's correct. And do you have any other offices across the country or just in Ottawa? No, currently just, just in the Ottawa. We have about 40 employees here at the office and uh, growing daily, it seems like. There's always new faces walking around. I was joking the other day, I think we have to start wearing name tags just so we uh, can recognize everyone in the office. And that grew rather quickly then? Absolutely. And it's, uh, it, it really goes with the season, right? And, and we kind of get a bit of a forecast of what our needs are like. Because uh, if you think a double-sided marketplace, you have to build your supply and your demand kind of in tandem at the same time. Mm -hmm. so we have a pretty heavy focus on building that supply uh, you know, between the last six months of the year because we need that supply to fulfill the demand for the next year. So it's really that delicate balance. So we, we can kind of predict a bit what our summer is going to be like and be able to staff accordingly. So it's, we're growing just as fast as we're kind of growing on the website as well. Um, it's hard to keep up with that. <laughs> it, it is. And like, like a lot of people don't realize like how popular the outdoors is. And, and I'd even, you know, a lot of the, uh, the younger generations too are kind of opting for more of a, uh, an experience rather than going and renting a cottage. They want to go on a, a motorhome trip or they want to rent a trailer and go to a music festival. Um, and like, it blows everybody away, but there's over 2 million RVs in Canada. Like that's one out of every six houses 
has an RV. Like it's, it's a mind boggling number when you start to think about the sheer volume of it, right? There's over 8 million individual trips every year in an RV. So it's, it's really a market when we step back and look at it, it's a really underserved market that hasn't really adapted with the growing digital economy. So it was really a matter of perfect timing and perfect opportunity to kind of jump in. So I just want to know a little bit about the future, your future vision for the business. So um, what would you say your vision is for the next five years? Five years? It's, it's hard to look a week down the road. But, okay, uh, okay. So two years. <laughs> uh, you, know, you, you look at the first couple of years of our business and it was really proving out the business model. So kind of from day one, the question that we always wanted to answer was, are people willing to do this? We know that RV owners, being an owner myself, like I, you're always concerned about, are people going to be damaging my, my asset, my really expensive RV? So the first couple of years was definitely uh, proving the business model, uh, making sure owners are, are happy and it's working and really serving those early adopters. Um, and now, if you were looking at the next three years, it's really going to be carving our, our path of, of profitability and growth at the same time. It's difficult to focus on growth and profitability at the same time, but we want to be able to ensure that we can build and grow a sustainable business. Uh, so a lot of it is just developing efficiencies within our employees, our staff, our processes uh, to ensure every, everyone is getting served properly and that the business has a strategic path to long-term success. Um, so what are the top three things on your bucket list right now for your business? What are your top priorities? Yeah, so specifically like this time of year, uh, really what we're building is we're building a platform and an ability for RV owners to conduct their own small business. So my vision on the product side would be to really develop all the tools and mechanisms that can enable our owners to conduct their business efficiently and independently. Uh, you know, if they want to make money, say, renting uh, a queue along with their RV, they should have that ability. They should have their ability to, to charge their sales tax, to make changes, to kind of really have a, a one center place where they can conduct their business on their own. They don't really need our support. So right now it's definitely building the infrastructure and the tools for, uh, for our customers, our owners and owners. And then from the business side, it's really building, we wanna build a world-class platform. Uh, so we've really invested heavily into our technology and our development, make things faster, make the user experience smoother, just have a really beautiful, great world-class product. And that takes a lot of work. Uh, you know, from my policing days and then coming over to here, it's a totally different world technology and technology changes month by month. Uh, so it's keeping up with the technology and just building something that's truly world-class and then having the efficiencies all of our different departments that it's just really a for any employee coming in and just a great culture for people to work. Yeah, absolutely. So what's the greatest challenge that you faced in your business to date? The greatest challenge is the rate of growth. You know, if you look at an established business, if you're growing your business by 5% a year, that's a huge success. Uh, we're growing at 400% a year. Uh, so how do you really forecast it? Like, it's very difficult to kind of forecast the needs of the business 
uh, you know, cash flow needs, growth needs, and you're growing at that rate, like you're, you're a totally different business at the end of the year. So I'd, I'd say the biggest challenge would definitely be adapting to the new reality that you're in. Uh, if we look a year ago and look at our technology and look at our staff and look at our efficiencies, it's nowhere near what it is today. So it's constantly retooling all these uh, these decision making decision makings that you have to do based on your new reality. It's tough. Like, you know, it's a pretty easy job when you're growing five percent a year and you're just trying to squeeze a little bit uh, out of different different channels. But here, it's yeah, that's an incredible challenge. What, how do you typically handle those challenges? Like when, when something pops up, how do you handle it? And how do you recommend that other people? I, I'm 100% committed to the business. Um, so is my partner. Uh, you know, it's not a nine to five. Like I'm generally in the office 10 to 12 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, so you really, you have to be in tune with the business and really uh, plan, right? So having planning sessions, making sure we have our KPIs and everyone's held accountable, OKRs within the, like the entire organization, just, just allows us to make the best decisions with the data that we have. Uh, and you talked about two goals. Another goal of the, the business as a whole is we want to make data-driven decisions. Uh, in the early days, a lot of it is, to be honest, it's, it's gut feel. Right? It's, we want to get away from the I feel uh, decisions to the I know decisions. A lot of that by the data that we've collected and then analyzed. Yeah. Okay. Good. So that's that's something that we're business owners as well, and that's something that we make all data driven decisions. A lot of entrepreneurs do the I feel and they go on their gut their gut instincts. Did you have a mentor or something that helped you realize you have to make these data driven decisions to be successful? Yeah. So so in the early days, uh, you know, like. I had never started a business of this magnitude, right? Like I've done a bunch of, you know, had a construction company and a fence and deck company, but really nothing of this magnitude. So probably the best advice got from anyone is to really surround yourself by the experts, by the people that have been there and done that. Uh, and it, and just really rely on them for that guidance and advice. So we very early on, we, uh, we, we connected with Invest Ottawa, which is an, an entrepreneurship community here in Ottawa. Uh, spoke a lot with their mentors. Uh, met with other very successful entrepreneurs and just kind of picked their brains. Uh, Dragon's Den has been incredible support as well. Uh, and really, what I, what I love about her is a lot of it is just you have a feeling or you think you need to make a certain decision and you're unsure about it, she can give you that reassurance being like, yes, you're spending the right amount of money or you're not spending enough. You guys need to spend more. You need to grow faster uh, because she's done it. She understands exactly what we're going through because often you don't have many people to lean on when you're, when you're growing like this. So just on the topic of advice, what advice would you give to your 20-year-old self? Uh, to my 20 year old self, uh, it would definitely be to take, to take risks, um, or any, even any 20 year old with a bus business idea is to take some risks. And I, like, I like to call them calculated risks. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting when, when we first started the website, first started the business, like we had quotes two to $300,000 to build a website, right? Which is great. I'm sure it would have been a fantastic product. Uh, that is a huge risk when you're throwing out $300,000 on an idea you don't even know if it's going to work. 
so instead, we opted for a much scaled down version, you know, probably we we're in $25,000, $30,000. And just threw something out there and needed to test the product. So it looked very pretty. You pressed a button though, and it essentially sends me an email and I'm on the phone making phone calls back and forth to see if people want to do it. So it's, uh, and I, and I hear it from a lot, like I speak to a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of them are very, they hold on to their idea very closely, not wanting to share it, worried someone's going to rip them off or steal their idea. Uh, that is hundred percent the wrong thing to do. You need to share it with as many people as possible, get feedback because you need to learn. It doesn't matter what you're selling. Are people willing to buy what you're providing? And if they're not, then it's probably a bad idea. But you need to test that early on, share it, surround yourself by people that are just as driven and passionate as you are, and that'll surely bring you onto that path of success. So what's the best piece of advice that you ever received? And you touched on it a little bit with your mentor, but is there something that really stands out? Yeah, there is. There's one that really stood out. It was interesting that they, you know, when we first started, what do we call the business, right? Like, what's the name of the business? We know the concept. We know the idea. Uh, what's our name going to be? And we went out and got, uh, you know, some branding companies and they gave us quotes. And we're talking like $40,000 to come up with a name and branding for the business. Met with a, another tech entrepreneur, very successful, made a lot of money on an exit. And like the, the advice he, he came and it, it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier uh, he's like, it doesn't matter what you call yourself. He's like, you can be one, two, three RV. He's like, it doesn't matter what you call yourself. Are people willing to buy your product? That's what you need to test. Don't waste your money on a beautiful name and logo for something that nobody's willing to use. Uh, so kind of took that advice back and we did the, a crowdsourcing campaign. I think we paid $500 to the winner and we just came up with this logo and it, it's kind of stuck ever since, which is kind of interesting that it's kind of turned into it. It's turned into its own brand. Uh, but looking back, it really, there was such good advice because that would have been a huge waste of money and time developing the brand and the feel without even knowing if people want to use your product. It's like that, that really stood out to me. And it was just something that came from an experienced entrepreneur who's gone through the same steps that's made the mistakes and kind of gave that advice saying, guys, your main goal right now is to find out whether people want to do this. If, if you ask that question, yes, you can change the name of your company anytime you want. And, and it was probably like one of the best pieces of advice we got, especially in the early days. So on that, like the minimum viable product, right? So that's what we would call that kind of test. How did you do that? What did you do to like prove that people wanted to buy your product? Yeah, so that kind of took a lot of my personal experience first as kind of that first initial test. Uh, you know, like I put a posting on Kijiji to rent my motorhome. And what kind of blew everybody away is I would post it in January and I would never repost it again. And I would rent my entire year off that one post. So it kind of showed that there was some sort of demand. Um, and then getting this this website up as quick as possible. And then the low hanging fruit, I literally spent every night, four or five hours calling everybody on Kijiji that had an RV for sale or for rent and just talk to them and just talk to them. Hey, would you be willing to do this? Why would you be willing to, what do you need in order to convince you to do it? And really just gathered and started building the supply up uh, just organically. And of course, not very scalable, uh, but very, very educational and just, 
again, helped us understand whether people wanted to use this product or not. Once we, once we decided, yes, this is a good product, people want to use it, uh, then it's time to invest in the technology and start building into the capabilities. Yeah. So how long did it take you? Like, what point did you kind of say, okay, this is right, let's invest and make that huge leap? Yeah, I, I would say like uh, probably January 2017. Because like we, we launched the website beginning of August of 2016. So really, you're at the tail end of the RV season. You're at the tail end of people booking their trips. So you're really, like, you're really limited to the amount of people that are coming around. Uh, but as soon as January hits, people start booking their vacations. So that's when we started to really see people picking up, using the website, asking us questions. And we couldn't keep up with the demand. So there ended up being a supply problem where we're like, okay, clearly this is going to work. We have people coming to us in droves that just can't find what they're looking for. And then we'd go out and try to find them exactly what they needed. And even in some circumstances, I would go out and buy the RV and give it to them, right? So just doing whatever we can to kind of to fulfill those customers. And I think that was pretty, pretty quickly into 2017, we said, okay, there's a viable business here. People want to do this. Now we need to figure out how do we scale this? How do, how do we grow fast and quick? And how do, how do we get the website up to speed? How do we get all those tools? Uh, and so we ended up redoing the entire website essentially in the summer of 2017. Yeah, it's been a wild journey. So now we're gonna move into some um, rapid fire questions. And this is just to get to know, it's, it's fun. It's really fun, don't be too scared. But just don't think too much about the question and just answer whatever comes to your mind first. Um, if you weren't doing what you're doing for work now, what would you be doing instead? I'd be a police officer. Yes, I That's figured. Easy one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what book are you currently reading? Uh, Blitzscaling. Blitzscaling. Yeah. What's that about? Uh, just d different techniques on how to grow and scale your business quickly. And then I, I, well, I, I'm just starting it, but I, and then I just finished a, a Bob Probert documentary, Big Hockey Fan. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, are you a morning or a night person? Uh, both. I stay up late and I wake up early. Don't sleep early. If you could pick one word to describe yourself, what would it be and why? Mm, I'm going to say passionate. I have I, anything I do, I really buy into, and I have a lot of passion in what I do and, and accountability, really dive in deep and sink my teeth into whatever I'm doing. What is keeping you up at night these days, if anything? Uh, yeah, uh, I'd say just the company in general. How do we continue to grow? It's, it's just keeping up with everything. There's so many things happening. There's so many moving parts, and I can't imagine. You need to really know your business super well to be able to keep up with all of those. Yeah, and, it, it, and again, like you grow at 400% and you're trying to project your year. So you, you know, it's a finger in the air and like this is what we think is going to happen. So now it's making sure we're hitting all of our targets. And it definitely keeps me up. Yeah, of course. What's your favorite place in the world? Uh, that's a tough one. Anywhere in the outdoors. So I'd, I'd say my favorite place in the world would be in a canoe in the middle of Algonquin Park. Okay. So I just need to ask, because I'm from Northern Ontario, and this is a personal thing, but ever, I, I'm from Sudbury, lively. Did you ever do any canoe trips up there? Uh, not Sudbury. I did work in Tomogamy, so a lot of... Me too. Uh, 
Yeah. So a lot on Lake, Lake Tomogamy, I spent many, many summers on, uh, like the canoe routes up there are unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and then the Perry Sound, Muskoka area, I, I grew up there. So I spent a ton of time up there. My, my brother was a police officer in Sudbury. Uh, okay. So I, I spent a lot of time North Bay, Tomogamy and all around there. I, I love, I love it up North. Yeah. I lived in Tomogamy for a summer. You lived in Tomogamy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so very cool. I just had to ask. What are three non-negotiables that have to happen in your morning routine? Uh, breakfast, uh, the, the gym, I'm in the gym every morning and I'd say my Tim Hortons coffee. Like I, I was even thinking about this morning. I am very, very predictable. Uh, <laughs> I'm up at six 30. I eat between seven and seven 30. I'm in the gym by eight and I get my coffee at nine 15 and it's, it's clockwork. And you have to have it, right? Cause I'm, I'm like super similar to you, but you have to have it. If it, if I don't have my coffee or my tea, then I, I get totally screwed up. Yeah. And it's, uh, it, it's something I've in the last year I've got back to, uh, you know, in my, and again, this, this shows how busy of a person I am. When I got injured, I was finishing a university degree. So taking three classes at university, I had 60 hours a week in policing, uh, married with three children. Um, and I was competing in uh, bodybuilding. So like I was doing all that at the same time, S starting the business, a lot of that fell off the wayside because you're committed to something else. Um, and so last year I made the commitment that I want to get back into the gym and working out how I used to. I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, so I've developed my morning routine and I do not, I, I do not stray away from it. So that hour, that hour, hour and a half in the morning is kind of my time to, to, to commit to myself. So this is, um, this is a question just on that, but what helps you kind of just disconnect from the business and, and get those great ideas? Uh, I, I'd say like I have tremendous family support. Uh, my wife is extremely patient and, and equally as motivated as I am. Uh, and then three amazing kids at such a wide, like I have a 14-year-old, a 12-year-old, and a 6-year-old. So like they're able to just disconnect me from the business. I get to play video games with my 14 year old and watch cartoons with a six year old. So like it really allows me to disconnect and just kind of unwind a bit and, and enjoy life, which is the whole reason why we're doing all this, right? Yeah, absolutely. It really matters. So last question, um, and it's not the least, we've asked everybody, um, everybody, every guest who comes out to Canada's podcast, we ask them this question. It's really interesting, um, everyone's answers, but there's a small tropical island in the middle of the ocean just off the coast of Fiji. There's only one phone booth and no internet, and we drop you off there with no technology at all. At any time, you can call us um, to get the boat to come pick you up. How long would you last, and what would you do until you, until you call us? Well, I, I, I personally feel I could last a fairly long time, uh, but I'd probably call after about two weeks, I think. Right. I, th I think that'd be long enough that I, I need people around me. I really enjoy the accompaniment of, of people and interactions and, and challenges. Uh, I don't last very long on vacations. I, I find it's too long. A three to four day vacation is plenty enough for me to kind of unwind and just recharge for the next, next long time. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you very much for that. Uh for that answer and for talking to us and talking to uh, all of our listeners about your experience. No problem. And so when do I get to go to this uh, magical island? Um, well, 
<laughs> Maybe we'll plan like a group trip for all the people who came <laughs> yeah. to this podcast next year. <laughs> That'd be great. Catch up and see where you where you're at. That'd be great. Um. So before we go, do you have any um, last comments to to convey to our listeners? No, just 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 really appreciate uh, you having me here, and uh, you know, to anyone listening. Uh, absolutely take risks in life. Uh, it only happens once. And you know what, there's, there's nothing, nothing wrong with failing along the way. We all do it. And, uh, you know, you only live once. So take any opportunity that comes up and just be proud of all your accomplishments. So where can our listeners find you online? Uh, so they can find us at rvz.com. So it's r-v-e-z-y.com. Uh, and we're also found on the, the App Store. So on Google Play or on the Apple, uh, Apple Store. Uh, and you can find our app there as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, Michael. We'll be in touch soon. And uh, I wish you best of luck with, with everything in your growth. 400% growth for this year and more. <laughs> Excellent. Thank, thanks so much for having me, Leslie. Thanks for listening to Canada's podcast. Like, comment, and subscribe to all our channels to get the latest podcasts from entrepreneurs across Canada.